Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. It's good to have you all here with us this morning. Uh, Thanks for uh, worshiping Jesus instead of the other thing going on today. Um, For all of you who are, you know, not here this morning and watching this later, we love you too. so uh, it's good to be in the house. It's good to gather together. Good to be, uh, good to, to, to just uh, worship together. Man, I don't, I don't know about you, but there's just something that happens. There's a goodness that God brings uh, in the midst of his people worshiping. Uh, I, I'm so grateful that we, we love and serve a God that calls us to love and serve and worship him on our own. Amen? Like, like you're called to have your own relationship with Jesus. That's a good thing. I, I appreciate that I get to have my own relationship with Jesus. I, 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 I appreciate that I do, but, but there's also this dynamic where we are called into, come on, the family of God to worship and serve Jesus together, and I love that. I love that we get to do this together. I love that we get our own, but I love that we, we also get to share. I, I, like, I, like, I like the duality of that, and so uh, I just want to thank you all for being a house that loves to worship Jesus. Amen? It's just, it's, just good. it's just good to be amongst those that love to do that. Uh, we are in a series through the Gospel of John, uh, as you could probably tell from that video, um, as some of you were uh, treating it like the, uh, the, 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 the song that plays before your favorite TV show and, and talking along with it. That was great. Um, yes, we can hear you when you use your outside voice. Um, uh, we've make it, been make, making our way through the Gospel of John. Uh, we have reached uh, what some scholars, what some... Um, Biblical study people have called really the, 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 the tip of the mountain of the Gospel of John, John chapter 17, uh, and we've, we've been hanging out here for a while, uh, and as we've sort of been looking at this the last few weeks, I've had us really look at the whole chapter. I've wanted us to read the whole thing uh, in, in its full context to understand just how uh, accurate of a picture that idea of it being a mountain really is. It really is this giant, mountainous, glorious thing that stands before us. And, and as I've said, there's, there's many ways to kind of get up this mountain, to explore uh, this mountain, to, 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 to sort of look at all of the different aspects of it. And one of the things we saw, and I, I hope you saw as we looked through the chapters as a whole, is Jesus uh, is sort of giving, in, in one, one, one angle of this, is Jesus is giving sort of what I've called a mission update or a progress report, a status report uh, to the Father of all that the Father has called Jesus to do in this prayer in John 17, he's giving this, and, and I said that because he makes seven, as we saw, seven I have statements in, in this prayer in John 17. He's letting the Father know, here's the stuff that I have done. And uh, he, he says, I've accomplished the work you gave me, I've manifested your name, I've given the words you gave me, I've guarded them, I've given them your word, I have sent them into the world, I have given them the glory you gave me and we've focused specifically over the last few weeks on these two. I have given the words you gave, I've given them the words you gave me, and I have given them your word. 
Previously, we looked at kind of the definition of these Greek uh, words used for words and word, and we've looked at that. Last few weeks, we've, we focused more on the content of this message that Jesus gave by looking at uh, Luke's uh, account of Jesus reading Isaiah 61. We went back and we looked at Isaiah 61. This week, what I'd like to do is actually focus more on, on what Jesus says is the result of his message and look exclusively at what he says in John chapter 17. Now again, I, I want to be clear before we dive into this. Starting in, in, in chapter 13 and going through uh, all of chapter 17, Jesus is having what we call his, his, uh, a private discourse with his disciples, meaning he is speaking exclusively to those that he has called to follow him. Starting with 12, we know Judas kind of took off. We talked about him. He's got this 11 here. There may have been more people, but we know for sure those 11 were there and those that were with him. He's speaking very openly, very candidly, very, uh, can I say it this way, very non-guarded with them. He's not sort of, sort of keeping anything back. Why do I say that? Because as a preacher, I am required to tie what I tell you to the text. That, 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 that's just good to know, right? That this, my job is not to get up here and, and, and try to entertain you. My job is not to come up here and try to come up with clever things to say to you or, or share my own ideas. The last thing this world needs, come on, is a person on a platform sharing their own opinion with us. Thank you, Twitter, right? Like we have enough platforms for enough people. Sanctification. People to share their bad ideas with us. Again, any idiot with a phone can now share their dumb ideas with the entire world. We don't need, come on, to just have uh, another opinion, another perspective shared. What we need, come on, is to hear from heaven. And so I'm, I'm required to tie what I say to the text. I say that because if you're here and you're sort of trying to explore what this whole Jesus gospel church Bible thing is really all about, here's the amazing thing. I, I have to tell you that what I'm going to preach doesn't apply to you. Why is that amazing, preacher? You're telling me that what you're about to say, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Here's why it's amazing. Because even though you came in here not having it apply to you, it can begin to apply to you right now. You see, our family, this is the way I like to say it, our family is the most exclusively inclusive family on the planet. There are things that only apply to the family of God. And yet, the invitation to be included in the family of God is made to the whole world. Go therefore into how many nations? all of them, that includes this jacked up one, all of them, and preach the gospel, proclaim good news. So, so today, even though right now what I'm about to say might not apply to you, I'm telling you that right now it can, by simply repenting and believing, the good news of the gospel can apply to you. You can be born again. You can be transferred from, from, from the enemy you made yourself toward God to him making you into his family. We do that by repentance and faith, by admitting and abandoning our sin and embracing and trusting Jesus. Amen? Amen? So if you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 17. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Then we're going to jump down and read verses 14 through 17, just so we kind of get a handle around this word, words, thing that Jesus says he delivered. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. How many people are excited to hear the Bible read in public today? 
We love to hear the Bible read because its word is life to us. Amen? So this is John chapter 17. We read out of the ESV around here, uh, mostly. (laughs) John 17, verses 1 through 8, then we'll jump down. Uh, It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now let's go ahead and jump down to verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them In the truth, your word is truth. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, come on. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. We we acknowledge your worthiness because of your word. You You are infinitely worthy for an infinite number of things, but one of those things we will ascribe to you in this moment, Lord, is your worthiness for giving us your word. The fact that you gave us your word makes you worthy for, of, of our praise. It demonstrates your worthiness. And so as a people, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your word. We rejoice over your word. Let us be a people, God, that rejoices over the hearing of your word. Simply hearing it, Lord, let us rejoice. For the goodness, for the good news, for the promises, for the proclamations made in your word, let us be a people that does not demand proof, but responds in joy simply at the proclamation. That as you proclaim your word over us, we would rejoice, respond with celebration, adoration, praise, glory, and honor to your word. Let us be doers of your word. For with your word comes the very faith needed to respond. It is a, it's, a, it's a package deal, Lord, and we receive it wholly, fully, let, it, let, it, let your word do its work. But God, let us not be those that, that, that demand the work to be done for us to receive the word. 
but let us be those that receive your word so that your word can do the work, so that we can walk out in obedience to what it is you've called us to do, living in the full assurance of your covenant faithfulness toward us, that you might be glorified and the world, the cosmos itself, God, might see your goodness and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Why don't you greet somebody around you real fast and then grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Good to be together this morning. Um, just want to personally thank all of the extroverts that went up and made all the introverts uncomfortable. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking this week about just the, uh, the oddity that is the English language. It's, I mean, it's... it's the only language I sort of know, so I'm sort of stuck speaking English all the time. Uh, some of you are, are in, in, our, in our midst, some of you in, in our body, in our church, uh, are, are able to speak more than one language. I'm super impressed by you because I can barely speak English. Um, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the odd things to me, one of the things that just makes English so weird are homophones. These are, these are words that sound the same but aren't the same word. I say that because this morning, if you're taking notes, uh, I want to talk to you under the title of the duel of the duel. The duel of the homophones. They're just weird. Uh, English, right? The weather is the weather whether you like it or not. That's a dumb sentence. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way English works. And so to help some of us that maybe struggle with, with trying, trying to figure out what the heck that means because of the same word uh, and to just ruin the podcast for everybody because this doesn't go on the podcast, you'll just have to watch it on YouTube. Uh, dual and dual. Helpful, right? Dual, guy has two swords. Dual, two guys, each with one sword, are fighting. We call that a duel. Or if you'll let me, I think this will be more helpful. Um, Darth Maul had a dual-ended lightsaber. He had two lightsabers in one, but when, when, when Darth Vader fought Obi-Wan Kenobi, each they had one lightsaber, and that was a duel. So duel and duel. Are we tracking together now? Uh, pick whichever one is more helpful for you. I don't care. Uh, there is a right answer, though. Um, so the duel of the duel. The duel of the duel. Duel, duel. Okay, I want to talk to us really about how Jesus repairs our perception of God. Jesus delivers, he says, in according to John 17, he delivered the words and the word of God. And the truth of his message, he claims, transformed the lives of those who by grace and goodness received and believed his message. 
So the, the, the word and words, this message that he gave did a transformational work in the heart of the people that heard it. Again, I've pointed out that Jesus says in John 17 that he had accomplished the work that God had given him to do and he had not yet gone to the cross. That doesn't mean that the cross is, is, a, is, an, is, is somehow outside of the work, but rather that it's a continuation of the work that had already been accomplished. So as we look at this, I want to look at what it is that Jesus says he, he brought. What is it that he, he proclaimed? What is it that he delivered to us? So the, the majority of the morning, I want to spend our time looking at this one verse, John 17, verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth two things, that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I came from you, and you sent me. So this morning, I want us to see, I want us to look at the fact that Jesus came from Abba, and that Abba commissioned Jesus. I believe there's a, there's, a, there's a tension, there's a revelation in these two statements. Jesus, Jesus seems to, to, to make it important to make them separate. We want to just kind of lump these things together, right? But I think there's, a, there's an important, uh, uh, can I say it this way, an important safeguard that God put within his word in, in, in separating these two things out. These statements are true independently, but they also are harmoniously true. Together, they will safeguard us from dangerous errors in our understanding of how the Godhead functions in our redemption. And I think it will tension some dangerous aspects of uh, talking to, th to some, some, some scholarly theologian people in the room, some tension some of our, our erroneous or, or out of balance, out of tension understandings of the atonement. So I want to look at these two statements that Jesus came from Abba and Abba commissioned Jesus. So this, this, this corrects our view of Abba in the work of Jesus. It means that the message and mission of Jesus are those of Abba. For those maybe confused by this terminology, Abba, I know we got some guests in the room. Let me just, real quick, I don't got a lot of time, but, but I'm not talking about the band from the 70s. <laughs> Scriptures tell us that, that the revelation that Jesus gives us and the Spirit bears witness to of who God is, is God is, the, we, we use maybe two terms interchangeably around here, Trinity and the Godhead. This is the, the triune nature of God. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit. What we need to understand is that, that us as the people of God, we don't relate to God the Father as God the Father, but rather the Spirit within us bears witness. And we, we are to relate to him by, by this, this term called Abba, which literally means dad. The idea is that he's not just He's not just the, the biological uh, pre predecessor to us, but we are called to relate to him, not just be related to him, but to relate to him. Are you tracking with me? So I like to use biblical language when at all possible. And for us as New Testament, New Covenant, born-again believers, the appropriate way for us to speak of the, the, the first member in the Trinity, the Father, is to call him Abba. And if that makes you uncomfortable, that's just an extra bonus for me. Jesus came from Abba, Abba commissioned Jesus. 
That means that the message and the mission of Jesus are those of Abba. There's not, they're, they're, they're not different. Jesus is sent by Abba to accomplish a mission. Jesus said himself that the very words that he preached were given to him by the Father. So you can't claim that Abba has one mission and one message for humanity, and Jesus has a separate mission and a separate message for humanity. They are one and the same. They're together in this. It needs to reframe the way we think about Abba. We don't need to change how we see Jesus. We need to change how we see the Father. Are you tracking with me? Jesus then doesn't rescue you from Abba. He rescues you for Abba. That was way better than you responded. Because, listen, listen. Some of us were, were, were sort of brought up under this idea, come on, come on, come on, that, that, that God was on, a, on some sort of mission to kill all of humanity, but Jesus sort of stepped in at the last minute and got us out of, uh, out of that. He rescued us from God. No, he rescues you for him. Abba sent for God, speaking there, for the, the Father, for Abba so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is commissioned from heaven to come down and fulfill a, mess, a mission and to, to, to deliver a message. They're not separate, so, so they're one and the same, so they're together, so we are rescued not from him, but we are rescued for him. We are reconciled back from our self-made exile and brought back into the family of God. Come on, come on, come on. Some, some, somebody get excited, but I'm about to tell you this. You need to. You were both created for and redeemed to God. Yeah. That, I love this because it means you're doubly his. <laughs> he made you, and when you sold yourself off, he bought you back. You don't, you, you, you owe zero allegiance to anyone else, to anything else, to any other theology, any other ideology, any other philosophy, any other political party, any other worldview, any other sports team. Come on, nothing. We owe everything to him. He, he, we belong to him so completely that it is insulting to try to claim allegiance to anything else. This is, why, this is why we need to just understand that we are sons of God. That's it. Well, I'm a, I'm a conservative Christian. Well, I'm a progressive Christian. Well, I'm a, I'm a social Christian. I'm, no, no, no. We, we're just Christians. We're just, we're just sons of God. Stop trying to put qualifiers in front of it. That's adding allegiance where there does not need to be allegiance. Let's just be exclusively him. Exclusively his. Belong to no other. We are, Jesus does not rescue you from Abba, he rescues you for Abba. Now, now with those two things in mind, that, that the message and the mission that Jesus came with and came on was to rescue us for God, that this next point I don't think is, is explicitly in the text, but I think it's implied within it and needs to be applied for us that maybe did kind of come from this sort of mindset. Maybe that some of us that still struggle thinking this way. And that is this. Abba is not angry or vengeful in his demeanor toward us 
nor retributive in his dealings with us. I'm going to read that again because somebody needs to hear it. Abba is not angry or vengeful in his demeanor toward you. Can I personalize it? Us makes it too easy. So like, yeah, well, he doesn't hate everything. No, you. He's not angry. He's not vengeful toward you. Nor is he retributive in his dealings with you. Verse 23, we didn't read it, but you can read it on your own. John 17, 23 tells you exactly how God feels about you. And it says that he loves you with the same love. Abba loves you with the same love that he loves Jesus. That's like stinking really, really, really good news. And I want to use a different word than stinking. It, it, it is such good news that it actually offends any bit of religion that's left in you. you. You're loved with the same measure and with the same means that God literally loves himself. That's, that's how you are. You are the object of God's affection, not his anger. Any image we have other than this, any image we have other than this, of this type of God, any other image, any other picture is an inaccurate picture that we inherited through the distorted lens of our own rebellion or of human religion. And, and <laughs> let's, just, let's just make sure I've offended everybody in the room equally. Both of those things, both of those realities, our rebellion and human religion, both of them mess up our perspective of God equally. So I don't care whether you bend toward rebellion or you bend toward religion. I don't care whether you, whether, whether come on, whether you are a rule breaker or a rule maker, right? I don't care whether, whether you like to, 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 to not follow dress code or whether you like to tuck your, you know, polo shirt into your khaki pants. I don't care which camp you fall into. Both of them, come on, distort who God is. Both of them mess with our picture of God. Jesus comes to fix that picture of God. God was and is redeeming us. God was not and God is not looking to make that redemption retributive. What am I saying? He's not asking you for a pound of flesh. Can, can, can we just talk about retributive justice for a minute? It doesn't work on a human level. What makes us think that God thinks it can work on a divine level? Do, are you aware that the, the reincarceration rate in America is over 80%? Meaning if you, if you end up going to jail, you have a better than likely chance of going back there again after you get out. That's, that's, if that doesn't tell you that retributive justice does not work, I don't know what will. Now, now I'm not saying let's just fling the, door, the doors open to the jail and let's let them all. I'm saying we got to fix that, and the only thing that fixes that is the gospel. The, the problem is not, well, let's just stop punishing people. The problem is that we have to understand redemption, not retribution. But when we look at the cross, when we look at, when we look at, the, at the atonement through the eyes of retribution, it distorts our picture of God. God is not angry or vengeful in his demeanor towards you. He is not retributive in his dealings with you. That's not who he is. 
It fixes our picture of, it corrects, I said, our view of Abba in the work of Jesus, but it also connects the work of Jesus and Abba together. Because you see, Jesus came for Abba and for us. I think in the evangelical church, we talk a lot about how Jesus came for us, right? Jesus died for my sins. We don't ever want to define what that means, but we just say it. Right? We have, a, we have an understanding that he came for us, but we, we sometimes lack the fact that he also came for Abba. And so let's just look at a few things real quick just from the text. He chose to be one of us. Come on. He chose to do this. Jesus said, again, I'm talking about these two ideas, that yes, he was commissioned by Abba, but he also says, I came here. He wasn't forced. Abba didn't kick him out of heaven. Right? It wasn't like the son finally turned 18 and the father was like, all right, you're out. Just go. You might want to do that to your kids. <laughs> no judgment. But the, that's not what happened. With just Jesus chose to be one of us. I love the fact that he didn't just choose to be with us. He chose to be one of us. He chose to come and to experience everything we experience. He took on flesh. Next. He took on the exchange. Again, we, we talked about this. I'm not going to go back and re-preach all this, but go to Isaiah 61. He talks about here how, how he comes proclaiming good news and how there's this exchange. To, to oversimplify in a, in a completely ridiculous manner, uh, he came to exchange his righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. He took upon himself our sin. That, that's, that's a good deal. Real good deal. Take that deal every day. And lastly, he personally loves us. Come on, he personally loves us. He, yes, the, the father sent the son, come on, out of love. But the son came out of love as well. What I want us to see is this. Here, here, here's the big overarching, what I want you to see in these two statements is that Jesus is not an aberration of God, but rather the perfect image of God. He's not some like one-off, sort of weird, kind of, that doesn't really fit. No, he is the perfect picture of who God is. Religion comes and says this. Let's balance our jacked up perspective of who God is by our default reading of the Old Testament with, with the, the nice, happy Jesus from the New Testament. Let's try to balance those things out. That's not at all what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to obliterate our misreading, hear me, our misreading of the Old Testament picture of who God is and show us exactly who he is. To, 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 to remove any opportunity for confusion. To, to pull back the curtain as fully and completely as possible and say, this is who God is. When, 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 when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, show us the Father and it will be enough for us, Jesus didn't say, well, you have the law and prophets. He didn't say, go read the book of Job. Thank God. <laughs> he didn't say, well, open your Bible to Leviticus 1 and we're, I'm going to show you the Father. What did he say? If you've seen me, Jesus said, then you've seen the Father. Be careful. 
about anything you believe about who God is that is incongruent with how we see Jesus. Now, here's the tension to that statement. Don't delete the stuff that you don't like in Jesus. Come on. There's a danger on both sides. And my job is to punch with my right hand and my left hand. Right, right. There's the danger of, of, of trying to, to, to cram right, that, that retributive, vengeful, angry Abba onto our little genteel Jesus. But there's also the temptation to just ignore all the stuff that Jesus did that makes us uncomfortable, which, by the way, is a lot of it. Jesus spit in a blind guy's face. Canceled. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus literally called a woman who was begging for Jesus to heal her daughter. He called her a dog. Double canceled. <laughs> literally, I mean, when Jesus, when Jesus spit in the ground and made, and made, it made clay, right? Made, made, made this sort of mixture and rubbed it in the guy's eyes. If you, if you look historically, one of, the, one of the things that in the culture of that day, when somebody would walk by a blind person, again, they knew they were blind by the, by the robe that they wore. They were required to wear it. Just like today, you would maybe know a blind person because they might have a, a white cane. They wore something to kind of let everybody know around them, like, hey, hey, be careful, this, this, this person can't see. Literally, what would happen in that day at that time, because of the disdain, because of the, the, the wrongly held belief that that was somehow due to their, their corruption, their sin, or their, their family curse, or some sort of thing like that, when, when, when good, upstanding citizens would walk by a blind person, do you know what they would do? Spit. On the ground. So Jesus literally starts this guy's healing process by making the same sound this person had been offended by every single day of their life. Don't, don't just try to, don't try to house train Jesus. But he showed up and he is who God is. He shows us who God is. Again, the, the simplest thing I, I like to point is everybody has the painting of Jesus on their wall that has like a little, he, one, he doesn't look like that, just real quick, because he, he, he was Jewish. So the likelihood genetically of him having blonde hair and blue eyes is about less than zero. But we all have blonde-haired, blue-eyed, feathered-haired Jesus painted on our wall, like with a lamb on his lap or a little kid. Only downtown Spokane has Revelation Jesus. Right? Like tattoo on his leg, sword coming out of his mouth, riding a scary looking horse. You can, you, you can as, as, as the great theological, you know, theologian, you know, Ricky Bobby let us know, you can have the kind of Jesus you like. I understand that. But you can't delete the other one. You, you may, you may pers your personality, come on, might gravitate one or the other, but, but the other's still there. Come on, come on, come on. They're both still around. We, we, we have to live in that tension. Jesus is not an aberration. He's not, he's not some weird sort of doesn't really fit. No, 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 no. He is what God has to say about himself. When we embrace the revelation of these truths, we can rest in the perfect intimacy that God desires to have with us. When we grasp this idea, this idea, yes, 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 Abba commissioned Jesus and Jesus came, means that we can trust 
the full demonstration and the full declaration of Jesus to be that of Abba. So, so again, if you've seen me, come on, you've seen the Father. Jesus never said this, but, but, but tell me if there's room to, to make this application. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. You, you, the words you gave me, I gave them. If you've heard me, you've heard the... So, 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 so if we're wondering what God's like, if we're wondering what he would say to us, if we're wondering how he would behave if he were here, look no further than Jesus. We can trust that. We don't have to worry about, well, is, is that really what he's like? Or is, it, is, there some, is there some sort of like hidden part that he's kept away from us? Understand, Jesus was surrounded by people all of the time. Jesus was, had, had the disciples with him at all times. Jesus interacted in, in, in every sort of normal life situation. Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't recoil or, or keep himself from it. But again, like I said, he not only chose to come and live with us, but he, come to, he come, came and chose to live as one of us. We can trust the full demonstration, the full declaration of Jesus to be the exact same, exactly what Abba would say. So we don't have to wonder, well, well that's what Jesus said, but what, what, would, what would the Father say if he were here? That they're the same. They're the same. There's no difference. This is because there is no dysfunction within the Godhead. I'm setting somebody free this morning. There is no dysfunction within the Godhead. In the family, in the, in the, in the triune nature of who God is, there is no dysfunction. There may be dysfunction in your house, but there's no dysfunction in God's house. Some of you responded a little too quickly to that. And I worry you were responding a little more to the first part of it and not the second part. Because I said the first part and no one responded. I said the second part, oh, yeah, I get that. Uh, there is no dysfunction. That there, that, that, uh, we would never say this stuff, but we believe. Sometimes we, we, we tend to think and believe deep down underneath everything that like, God was on this mission, God the Father, that Abba was on this mission to just, you know, like, just nuke the world. And Jesus, like, snuck out the back door and, you know, worked his way down to earth and like, ha ha, gotcha, and somehow got in the way and, like, just thwarted the Father's plan to just kill us all. We think there's some sort of dysfunction that, that, that Jesus is somehow the rebel of heaven. No. Abba is not an angry, abusive dad, and Jesus isn't the nice big brother who took our beating for us. See, some of you have struggled to, to embrace this message of resting and intimacy with the Father because that's the picture you still have. Like, 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 like some abusive you know, a dad who, who beats his wife, but the son sort of steps in and, and he'll take it for us. So that way he just wears out dad and now dad doesn't have any more energy to hit mom. And then we go, well, now he's, he's calmed down, so come and cuddle with him. And we're like, yeah, no, thank you, I'm good.
There is no dysfunction. That's not what's happening. They are on a joint mission for our redemption and reconciliation. They're working, they're, they're, they're not dysfunctional. Be done with the idea. Come on, come on. Be done with the idea of angry Abba and Gentile Jesus being, being opposed to one another. We, we, don't, we don't sprinkle in happy Jesus to sort of balance out angry God. We need to embrace the reality there is no dysfunction within the Godhead. There's no dysfunction. There's no disunity. There's no dissension. They are, they're, they're, they're not. Why? Because there is perfect cooperation within the Godhead. There is perfect cooperation. Not only are they not opposing one another, they are together in their labor of bringing redemption to us. Super simple. I don't don't have time to unpack all this, but one super simple way we can see that. Jesus claims that not only was he commissioned by Abba, but he actually claims he was resourced by him as well. Literally, Jesus says, like, everything I have comes from you. You, Abba, you gave me everything I've got here. Meaning, meaning we, can, we, can, we can know he gave him his body. We can imply, but we can explicitly in this text, it says he gave him his, his mission. He got his marching orders from Abba. The father commissioned the son. He gave him that mission. He gave him his message. He gave him his disciples He gave him the authority that he needed to grant to them eternal life. Everything Jesus needed to accomplish his mission, come on, was given to him by the Father. How can we still believe that they're opposed to one another? It's a lie. They're not opposed to one another. How can we believe that, that, that this idea, when, when the scriptures literally explicitly tell us that the Father was in the Son reconciling the world to himself? They're working in unity, in, in, in cooperation together. There's not this dysfunctional relationship. I believe many of us lack the experience of the radical intimacy that we are called to because we don't believe these two things. We amen them on Sunday, but by Tuesday at 11.52, we completely don't believe them anymore. The second one thing kind of goes askew in our life. The first thing we think about is, oh, God must be angry at me. This is, this, this is God's retribution for that whatever that you did. If that's where your mind goes, it's because we haven't settled this yet. So let me, let, me just, let me just lay this out. There are no dueling natures in God. This is, this is what I'm trying to tell you when I, when I say that, 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 there's, that, that the angels, right? When we see into heaven, we see angels surrounding the throne of God. We literally see angels that are, are, are given multiple sets of wings so that they can fly in all directions. And then again, just because we want to read the Bible, it describes these angels in really weird terms. And then on top of those weird terms, it says, oh, and they're covered in eyeballs. So next time 
that you tell somebody that you go to a charismatic church and they say, I couldn't go to a charismatic church because the Bible says everything must be done decently and in order. You can just remind them that animals covered in eyeballs is God's idea of decently and in order. Just saying. We might have different ideas of what decently and in order means. Why is that? Why is it described that way? Because God's trying to give us a picture that these, these beings are able to perceive God in all directions, in all places. And here's the good news. As they go around him, all they say is holy, holy, worthy, worthy. All they say is he's good. There's no, there's no unholy, unworthy, dark, hidden, retributive, angry, vengeful part of him that's hiding back behind a, a door somewhere. Have you, ever, have you ever been around rescue dogs? You ever been around a dog that was, a, that was physically abused by its, its last owner? And you go to pet it, and what do they do? They whimper, and they go hide, or they bite you. Why? Because they, they don't know how you're going to react. Can I tell you that, that, that I, I've met too many Christians that act like abused dogs? We don't know today whether we're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to find happy master or angry master. Whether when we step into his presence, there's going to be goodness there, or there's going to be a smack. Whether, whether we're going to get welcomed onto the couch to, to, to cuddle or whether we're going to get kicked. Because we still have this idea that there's, there's, there's dueling, there's warring, there's fighting natures within God. And we just hope that the, the happy cop wins today. And this, 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 this verse, verse 8, is here to tell us that Abba sent Jesus and Jesus came. There's, they're, they're, they're together in this. We have to understand them separately so that we can understand them together. Are you tracking with me? No bad cop, good cop. <laughs> I said earlier that we are saved for Abba, not from Abba. Can, can I say it one more way? There's no need to be saved from him. Jesus didn't save us from him because there was nothing in him to be saved from. We're saved for. We're welcomed in. He extends to us his grace. God is good. God is always and only good. What do I mean? God is immutably good. That means... You cannot make the statement, God is good and fill in the blank. That's why English is horrible. The sentence ends after good. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? God is always and only good, period. God is always, but, but, see, but see, for too many of us, God is always and only good as long as we are good. Or as long as we behave. No, no, no. Beloved, no, no, no. God is always and only good. Amen. Does that mean that, that he, he submits himself to my definition of good? Absolutely not. And that, my friends, is part of his goodness. That he refuses to dumb down his goodness to my level of understanding. Am I the only one that's lived long enough to be really happy that God has refused to answer in the affirmative some of the things I've requested of him? 
Come on. Open up the way, way back machine and think of some of the dumb things you begged God for. I am so grateful that God didn't answer some of my prayers that I prayed the ferventliest for. Some of them I even fasted for, which I was told guarantees he has to do whatever I tell him to do. <laughs> I don't know if I shared this. I just make sure I don't have any friends left in the room. Uh, I, I hung out with some, I hung out with <laughs> some pastor friends of mine uh, this January. Uh, I, we do every year and, and gather together with him and, and uh, we were eating and, and most of them were eating. If, if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know most of them were eating only vegetables because they're Daniel fasting or believing in retributive justice for all of the food they ate in December. And, um, they, were, and they, they, they asked me, like, oh, so are you, are you and your church Daniel fasting? And my response to them was, no, we have the bridegroom, so we have no need to fast. <laughs> If you ever want to just have like your pastor friends not like you at all, just say that because they got nothing. They have no way to respond to that. They're like, but um, our church fasts every year. I'm like, cool. I'm going to order a steak. And it was delicious. Um, right? I, I'm not saying that in God and his goodness, it is good on a level that we're always going to understand. Please, please, come on, don't, don't, don't try to 2D a 3D image. Don't, don't hear, when I, say, when I say the word good, don't make that flat. Make that rich in all of its depths and dimensions. Come on, he, he's so good, oh, oh, come on, he's so good, he knows how to hide good stuff in what everybody else says is bad stuff. Why? So that nobody would go looking for it except for those that he calls to go looking for it. That's a whole other message. This is a good way to say it. It's our capacity to perceive and process the full spectrum of his goodness that needs to expand. Our capacity. So when I see something in him, they go, Man, that doesn't look good. I don't say, okay, then God's not good. I say my perception, Lord, 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 Adjust my prescription. Amen? Okay. This statement is true. Can we say amen to it? There's no dual natures, dueling natures in God. There's no, there's no, there's no, it's not Darth Vader fighting Obi-Wan within God. Okay. We're together on this? Okay, here we go. There's no dueling nature in you. And I know dueling is not a word. Again, refresher. I just want, I just want, I want, I don't want to, I don't want to rush this. I want, I want you to, I want you to read that and actually read it. There's no dueling natures in God. God's not warring within himself. And we hope that we hope that Obi-Wan wins. Right? We hope Darth Vader doesn't win this time and then we, we have to deal with Darth Vader. No, 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 no. Good father. Amen? There's no war in him. I think part of the reason we find it so easy, can I say it this way? So 
comforting to think that there's a dueling within God because we think there's a dual nature within us. And, and that shouldn't surprise us because even before our conversion, we thought this way. Didn't we? Come on, come on. When you, before pre-conversion, right? Some of you still talk this way, but it's pre-conversion language, so I'm just going to ascribe to you that you only talked this way in your pre-conversion life. You did something horrible. I mean, like the really horrible thing and somebody found out about it, and what was your excuse? Well, I just, I just wasn't myself. I just, just, wasn't, I just wasn't being myself at that moment. No, you, you were being yourself. You were a turd. You were, you were very much being yourself. I, I'm convinced that this is part of why, uh, it, you know, my, my generation, it, I, I can't speak to youngers, but I know it's part of why I think younger generations, at least when I was there, uh, we used drugs and alcohol. Because it was a way to be ourselves and still have an excuse. Look, 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 like I was an addict, man. No drug, no substance, let me just put it this way, no substance I put in my body made me do anything that I didn't want to do. It let me do the things that I already wanted to do and have an out. <laughs> it wasn't me, I was drunk. It's like, if everyone liked me, it was like, yeah, and I fun. You know, like if when I was a jerk, which was all the time, then I, well, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't me, it was, it was that. So, so we thought this way beforehand. Then we, we were converted and religion teaches us, well, you have a dual nature still. You, you, have a, you have a regenerated nature, but you still have a sin nature. And I'm here to tell you, just like there is no dueling natures in God, there's no dueling nature in you. There's no toing nature in you. I know dueling, D-U-A-L-E, that's not a word. I get it. Track with me. There's, there's, not, there's not this idea of, of these two things happening to you at once. No two natures within you. But there is, there are dual leavens, dual beliefs, dual influences about your nature, about your identity that produce within you a discord. Cause you to not be able to live in your interior world, live in the harmony, in the peace, in the rest. Listen, that is yours in Christ. Because I still believe things about myself that aren't true anymore. Why do I believe them? Because for some of us, like me, I spent decades proving those things to be true. So I go back to the stack of evidence that I have against myself and bring it into this imaginary courtroom that doesn't exist. <laughs> I love you. And when Jesus pronounces me righteous, I go, well, the evidence speaks otherwise. When, when, when Abba calls me beloved, I go, not according to all this. And I'm being nice. It's, it's, I got boxes and filing cabinets and storage units and libraries. And so do all of you. So laugh at me all you want, but you're laughing at yourself. Come on, when we step into worship and his goodness comes and something pulls us back, what is that? It's, oh yeah, but I did this. And I did, oh, and I, I still struggle with, and I'm still a, and I haven't figured out, so we withdraw. Now, not all, listen, listen, I've taught you this. Not all of this is in the brain. A lot of this is in our bones. And we just wonder, we're like, why, why can't I, why can't I 
I mean, like I see other people like raising their hands or crying. Why, why am I just like here like, okay, cool? Because there's still this thing happening in us. There's still, there's still, Jesus said, right? Like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Beware of religious leaven that wants to get in. Why? Because he says, little leaven will mix all through all of it. Only takes a little bit of yeast. Only takes a little bit of leaven to get in there and to start doing its thing. And I'm convinced of this. You will never truly love a dualistic God. As long as you believe there's dueling happening within God, you'll never truly love him. And also, with the same breath, you will never receive his love if you believe yourself to be a dualist as well. You'll never go to that God that you're always wondering, well, am I going to get happy Jesus or angry Jesus today? Is, is, is Jesus going to welcome me as a child and, 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 and throw me in his lap, or is he going to flip my tables over? Because again, remember, anytime you wear your WWJD bracelet, flipping over tables and making whips at people, it's an option. <laughs> it is what Jesus did. As long as that's how we think, we're never going to truly love that God. Because we're always going to think that we have to, we, we have to appease him. We have to earn or merit or achieve something in order to get his love. But come on, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If the highest price was paid for you in your sin, but, but isn't it weird how, how we think as believers the opposite? Like I've literally, I've literally heard men that I, I admire stand up in, in, in rooms filled with convicted criminals and proclaim to them the freedom and the forgiveness that Jesus has, the love that Jesus has for them. And watched altars get filled with these people and then pray for them and hug them and embrace them. And that same person then go to a believer and say, God's angry at you because you're not giving, tithing, serving. Because you're doing this, you're doing that, you still struggle with this. How is it we can believe in this gracious, loving, accepting God for everybody outside the family, but then like behind closed doors, that's when the belt comes off? Like, like Jesus is just God's like really good PR manager. Like, like Jesus is God's Instagram life, <laughs> but like the real life at home is not really the same. No, that's why that's the thing stopping us, come on, from loving him, from really truly giving our hearts to him, because there's still something in us that says, no, 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 there's, there's not good in there. There's wickedness, there's evil, there's, 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 he's hiding, he's withholding from me. And at the same time, we will never be recipients of his love as long as we believe there's still something left in us that needs to be done. Leaven leavens the whole lump. Or as James 1.8, I'm not going to go there, but as James 1.8 says, a double-minded man, unstable and shouldn't, shouldn't expect to receive anything. Here's the problem that so many, no, I won't put this on anybody but me. Here's the problem I had with that verse for so long. I only thought double was 50-50. And I wasn't 50-50, so I was good. But double doesn't mean 50-50. Double means any amount of mixture. 
So if 99% of me, come on, believes that God, that there's no dueling natures in God and there's no dueling nature in me, 99% believes but there's still that 1%, the work's not done. And in his goodness, he's not gonna let us move on until he does that work. That's not retribution, that's redemption. He's gonna do that work. He's gonna fit, he who began a good work in you, come on, is faithful and just. It's the right thing for him to do to finish that work. I'm so glad, come on, that he doesn't take me all the way there when the work's not all the way done. I want the work to be done. Come on, there are, there is no dueling nature in you. How can I say that? Galatians 2.22, you were crucified with Christ, you, you died and you live again. And the life that you now live in the flesh, you live to him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old has passed away, behold, all things have become new. I looked up all in the Greek, it means all. <laughs> really deep. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not you will be, not you can be, not you're the righteousness of God and still partially, no, 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 you are not a sinner saved by grace. You were for 0.27 nanoseconds in your conversion. Then you became a son of God. So, so, so let, me, let, me get to, let me get to here and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. I, I, don't, I don't have time to fully unpack this. We'll, we'll do this more later. But I, I want to give us one quick thing here because, because I feel like just leaving us with that, that there, there needs to not be mixture, is just mean. Right? It's like, okay, but there is. So I want to just, well, we're going to unpack this in the weeks to come, but I, I want to just give us just an idea here for this. So how do we deal with the fact, like I, said, I said this, right? We don't have dueling nature. A du there's no dueling nature in you. But there is, there, is, there is corruption from different levens, different influences. Because, because, come on, come on, come on. This isn't the only teaching I've ever heard about who I am. Right? I'm not just talking about in church. I'm talking about it in my entire life. Everything in my world tells me things about myself. Demands that I agree with and believe what they tell me about myself. So, so those leavens, those influences, those beliefs are already kind of, they already kind of crept their way in there. So, so, so what do we do? How do we deal with this? I'm going to use an example that is going to offend some of you, and I'm just so grateful that I get an opportunity to do that this morning. Because if I haven't got to you yet, here you go, last chance. I, I was praying, I was, I was asking about, for, for months I was asking, like, okay, Lord, this is there. How do, how do I deal with this in myself? How do I help other people deal with this? Like, like what do we do? Are we supposed to like go through? Do we need to like make, this is literally my dumb pastor brain went like, do we need to like, do I need to make like lists and like help people go through lists and figure out all the wrong things that they believe and then try to correct all the right things? Do we need to make like a 27 year class that we put everybody through to try to deal with all of the possible? But then I'm like, well, if we make that, then, then they're going to hear things they haven't heard before that are wrong. And then maybe those are going to get in them. Come on. So I was just asking the father, I was like, Abba, how do, we do, how do we do this? And he reminded me of, a, of one of the ways that he shows us that he loves us is beer. <laughs> I told you, here it comes. Um, so, 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 so beer uses a leavening agent, it uses yeast. And if, if, you, if you're familiar with beer at all, or if you're not, you're going to learn some stuff, but you can just tell people, what did you learn in church today? Beer. Um, there, are only, there are only two categories, two classifications of beer. There's ale and there's lager. 
And what makes those, those beers different is the specific type of yeast that they use. So, so, so an ale uses a yeast that, that needs the, 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 the mash, the, the, the liquid, the, 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 the stuff that starts out as not beer and later becomes beer. It needs to be heated up to a certain temperature to activate that yeast. And it does its work all on the top and it does all of its stuff and it, it, it eats sugar and poops out alcohol. You're welcome for all of you who like to drink. That's what you're, you're literally consuming, yeast poop. So, um, so that, that's what it does. Just making sure I offend everybody in the room, drinkers and non-drinkers alike. Um, and in lager, lager, the, the, the liquid needs to be cooled to a certain temperature because the yeast get acti- gets activated at a cooler temperature. And so it does its work at the bottom, and it, it does its work, and it also takes longer. It has to be stored, and that's what lager German for stored. And so that's, yeah, we got the whole thing. That, but but as, I, as, I, as I was asking the Lord about this, how, how do we deal with this? He reminded me of this, because here's the deal. If I were to accidentally... I'm making, I make beer. I don't, I don't brew beer because why? Um, and and I, if, I were, if I were to be brewing beer though and I accidentally dumped both yeasts in, all I have to do is expose that to the environment that I want to activate that yeast. So if I heat it up, I'm going to get an ale. If I cool it down to the right temperature, I'm going to get a lager. Why do I say this? Where, where does this come from? Jesus. John 17, 7. Jesus talked about beer? No, but sort of. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is saying, sanctify. Listen, I'm going to unpack this whole thing in the weeks to come, but for right now, sanctify. To set apart means so much more than that. Really excited to get into it. Come back, bring a friend. Um, do this work of, of separation, of dealing with the bad leaven in them by means of your truth. Your word is your, the word is the environment in which the right yeast is activated. Come on, the right leaven is activated and the, the wrong leaven is downregulated. The problem for too many of us is we bounce around in different environments. We spend some time listening and hearing messages of legalism and try harder and and, every, and I'm not just talking about religion. Come on, come on. Everything in the world tells you this. Try harder, do better, make more money, achieve more stuff, amass more wealth, get better looking, which that one's hard. <laughs> At least for the ladies, you can paint a different face on. Dudes were just left like... The best a dude can do is just cover up more of it with facial hair, right? Like, I, I had a friend once. He always had this really big, glorious beard. I asked him, I said, why, why do you have, I love your beard. Why, but why do you have a beard? He goes, I just figured out when I was about uh, 22 years old that the more of my face I could cover up, the more women seemed to find me attractive. Um, so men have beards. Women have makeup. God loves everybody. So, right, everything in the world tells us this stuff. So when I, say, when I say religion, I'm not just talking about spiritual religion. I'm talking about social media religion. I'm talking about political religion. I'm talking about the, all of that stuff. We're, we're surrounded by those environments. So how much more do we need to learn to live saturating in the word and let the word that is truth be the environment that activates that which is within us? This is why I want to just tell you so, so, so be so, so careful about what you let in your eyeballs. And I'm not even talking about the, you know, 
sex stuff. That's sure, don't do that either. That's dumb. But I'm even saying, be careful who you listen to. Be careful what, be careful what you ingest because it is creating an environment. It is setting a temperature that is activating certain things within you. Are you, getting, you don't have a dual nature. You, you're tracking with me. What you have is the influence trying to corrupt the one singular son of God nature that you have. Again, who am I talking to this morning? Only believers. Guard your atmosphere. Be hypersensitive. Come on, to what it is you give your attention to. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I've gone long enough. One of these pastors told me that they were listening to some of my messages, which I apologize to them for. Um, and they said, uh, man, you, you, you preach a long time. I said, yeah. And they go, why? And I said, well, Paul says that, you know, that he wished that, his, that the people that he was with had endurance, and so I'm just trying to help my people have endurance. Um, thank you for your endurance. Um, come on, it's so important to me, beloved, that we, that we get this. It, it's so important to me that we that we let the truth of God's word do the work. That we let his word be the environment that saturates our lives. Because I, I really, truly believe we, we will never be who we are until we learn to live in that environment. As long as we still have these, the, 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 the dueling dualism, Right? As long as we ascribe that to who God is, as long as we ascribe that to who we are, rest, abiding, grace are far from us. Because all we're going to know how to do is strive and work and labor to try to earn or merit or achieve we're constantly going to be trying to 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 kill something that's already dead. If pop culture has taught us nothing else, zombies are hard to kill. Come on, I want to I make this house a place where the right yeast gets activated and the wrong stuff just goes away. I, I don't want to spend our time trying to, trying to sift through, come on, the, the, the whole lump and pick out every little piece of yeast that may still be. Now, listen, that, that, there's, no, there's, no, there's no life in that. I'm not trying to hunt out every you know, bad heretical teaching that you've ever heard. No. What I'm saying is this, let's look at what is right. Let's look at what is true. Let's look at what is pure. Let's stare in the face of Jesus. Come on. And let him burn out every other picture we have of who God is. Let's, let's, let's stare into the eyes of Abba and hear him proclaim his righteousness over us until no other message can be heard. Until when we hear another message, we literally just find it 
comical that anybody would say that about us. All of the, all, all those other voices, man, I, I feel this in my spirit. All those other voices, they don't know you. Only he knows you. One of my favorite, favorite passages in scripture comes from Revelation where it says in the end, one of the interactions that we'll have is that we'll, we'll go to Jesus and it says it this way. I love the imagery here. It says he will give us a white stone upon which is written our name that nobody else knows. You have a name that your parents gave you. Not knocking the name your parents gave you. You might love your parent, the name your parents gave you. You might not like it. You might be one of those people that legally changed your name just to really like, you know, show it to your parents. Cool. I, don't, I mean, more power to you. But you know that there's a name that you call yourself that you don't even know how to say. And not only does he know how to say it, maybe this is, is going to seem silly to somebody, but I think this is going to help somebody. Not only does he know how to say it, he knows how to spell it. Come on, there's a name you call yourself internally that doesn't even have words. You don't even know it has an alphabet. He knows it so well. I think about, I think about that sometimes, that, that, that he has these stones in front of him and he, he picks them up because it, it represents you. None of these other voices know you. You don't even know you. You say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know my behavior. You don't know what I'm still struggling with. That's all, tr you're, you're trying to cool down the, 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 the water. All that leaven's going to come to life again. Heat it up. Come on, heat it up. Let that stuff die. Stop feeding that leaven. Put it in the environment of the truth of his word. You know that, 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 those filing cabinets, those boxes, all that evidence that you, you, you bring before him? Every time you open up a new page, he goes, yeah, but you're righteous. Forgiven. Righteous. Forgiven. Righteous. How many times is he going to have to tell it to you before you just throw all the stuff away and just replace it with his declaration over you? You are the righteousness of God. Let that pierce, Hebrews says. I want to pray. I want us to have a time to respond. I want us to have time to just saturate in this environment. To let the revelation of who he is prove his goodness to us. Let the declaration he makes over us prove to us who we are in him. So we're going to respond. Celebration, contemplation, communion. We're going to celebrate his goodness. Come on. We're going to proclaim that he is worthy, that he is holy, that he is good, that he is awesome, that he's always and only good, that everything else that we try to fill into the space of goodness shows up lacking when compared to him. We're going to celebrate the reality of the exchange that he took on for us. We're going to take him up on his deal today. We're going to take the trade in. We're going to contemplate. We're going to let 
this environment, come on, this atmosphere, get increase in temperature so that the good yeast, the good influence, the good belief, the good, the right, the true, come on, begins to come alive within us and do its work. We're going to commune one with another and at the Lord's table. One with another. We've got a team of people at the cross. They'd love to pray with you. If you're going through stuff, maybe this, this is, is, is doing a work in you and you just need somebody to pray and to stand with you and believe God with you that he's going to finish this work, they would love to pray with you. But if you have any need whatsoever in your life, in your body, finances, family, friends, whatever it might be, they would love to pray for you. The other way we commune again is the Lord's table. These tables are open to all who put their faith in Jesus. If you're a believer, we believe you're a part of the family of God and this is the family meal, so we invite you to partake. If you're still trying to figure it out, you didn't take me up on my offer of repentance earlier and you're not doing it now, then hey, just hang out in your seat. You don't gotta pretend like you're a Christian and come forward and take communion. You can just hang out and nobody's gonna judge you for that. I wanna pray and I wanna invite us to respond. Let Holy Spirit do what he's gonna do. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. It's still morning. We thank you this morning that you are always and only good. We thank you that there's no warring, there's no, there's no dysfunction, there's only cooperation within who you are, God. And everything we see of you, everything we know of you, everything you show us of yourself is good on top of good, on top of good, on top of good, on top of good. And we receive that goodness. And we refuse the report of anything other than your goodness. We, we cry out, Abba, that you would elevate our perception where we see things and we don't see them as your goodness, that you would elevate our perception, our perspective. For we know, your word tells us, we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to see it as good. Every season, every circumstance, every situation, you are working them together for our good because you're good. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that today would be the day for some that they would hear privately, personally, powerfully your declaration over them, that they would be pierced by the revelation of righteousness, your proclamation that they are exactly who you've made them to be. Not the messages they've picked up through life, not the scars that they've carried because of their mistakes, not the baggage and the burdens that they have, have, have had thrust upon them and they've picked up themselves, none of that, all of that, now in Jesus' name gets wiped away and they stand before you exactly as they ought to be. Oh, that we would stand bare before you, Lord. Free of the fig leaves we sow together for ourselves. Before you, God. Naked and unafraid. Accepted in the beloved. God, we rejoice in you. We rejoice in you. Church, let's respond to the Lord.